Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I have one announcement to make and that is that I'm going to be offering monthly webinar workshops as part of a collaboration with RadicalHerbShop.com and I invite you to check them out on my website rawfork.com or head on over to radicalherbshop.com to see the current offerings. My next class will be on Tuesday, June 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And the topic of the class is understanding and supporting brain chemistry. Here we will discuss how to support our neurotransmitters for optimal function and well-being. You can learn about both conventional and herbal methods for managing depression and other disorders. So I invite you to to check out this very informative class. I am honored to be able to connect with so many like-minded pharmacists that are doing amazing work. Today is no exception as I got to sit with the lovely Dr. Melody Hartzler, founder of both FX Med CE and Farm to Table functional medicine platforms. FX Med CE provides continuing education courses for functional medicine practitioners, while Farm to Table aims to connect providers to patients. Dr. Hartzler earned her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Ohio Northern University. After finishing her degree, she completed her pharmacy practice residency at the Chalmers P. Wiley VA Ambulatory Care Center in Columbus, Ohio. During residency, she obtained a teaching certification from the Ohio State University College of Pharmacy. Her clinical specialization involves MTM, which is Medication Therapy Management Services, including anticoagulation, diabetes, hypertension, and lipid management. Dr. Hartzler's clinical practice involves a collaborative practice at Western Medicine Family Physicians, a private family medicine office in Enon, Ohio. She practices as a clinical pharmacist with collaborative practice agreements that allow her to order medications and labs for her patient. She provides care for patients with chronic conditions such as diabetes, asthma, and heart disease. She also oversees the practice's chronic care management program. She has a passion for integrative and functional medicine and blogs at farmtotable.life. Hi, welcome to Raw Fork Podcast, Dr. Melody Hartzler. Uh, she's a functional medicine practitioner, pharmacist, and she's the founder of both Farm to Table and FXCE, the functional medicine CE credits. So uh, in your own words, why don't you give us a brief background of uh, how you came to this pharmacy field and uh, maybe where you grew up and things like that. Sure, sure. So I'm originally from Harrison, Ohio, which is on the west um, edge of Cincinnati area. And so I grew up in Ohio. I went to Ohio Northern University for my pharmacy degree and then did my residency in Columbus, um, Ohio. And then I moved to Dayton area after um, residency to take a faculty position at Cedarville University um, and establish a practice in primary care. So just been in sort of a circle around the Buckeye State. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So uh, after graduating, what was your first step? My first step was residency. So I did a residency at the um, VA Outpatient Center in Columbus, Ohio. Um, All outpatient, they did some same day surgeries, but um, not a hospital facility. So um, even though it was a PGY1, it was mostly primary care, Um, you know, anti-coag, diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, We did some nephrology, renal clinic stuff, and then traditional, you know, outpatient pharmacy things. So 
So it was a really, really solid clinical experience. And I was able to build on that um, in my next position where I established a practice in a um, federally qualified healthcare center. So I worked alongside the family medicine physicians and family medicine residents um, to take care of people. And I always joke that I didn't really intend for diabetes to be my specialty because I was like so over titrating insulin in 2009, 2010. Um, And then because we had a few agents, like newer agents, but we were doing a lot of insulin adjustments and, um, and the newer agents weren't as, you know, robust. And so so I, I studied, I became an asthma educator and I went back to the clinic and I was like, okay guys, refer me patients for asthma and spirometry and all this stuff. And then there was like nobody, all the children were being managed by the um, family or for the pulmonology group at Children's Hospital and um, our providers needed help with our diabetes patients. And so that's really how I um, went back to the diabetes side, but I'm so glad that I did because there's so much... Um, that we've gained in the pharmacotherapy options, the farms, you know, the drug options in the last decade, um, that more targets. And it's interesting, like the interweaving of the functional medicine and the pharmacy side of diabetes, because there's so much of the gut relationship to metabolic disease. And also, um, if we look at like the pathophysiology of diabetes beyond just insulin resistance and all the pieces of the incretin and the gut, you know, hormone effects, there's a lot um, that we can do, you know, with diet, lifestyle changes, supplements, potentially, um, and maybe avoid having to take prescription drugs, but there's sometimes even where the prescription drugs address some of those underlying issues like the GLP-1s and and can be helpful and still sort of fit within that integrative um, approach. So um, it's been nice for me to be able to see both sides. So I'm, I'm thankful for that time of, of learning so much about diabetes. And then um, after I spent time at, at uh, the, the Federally Qualified Healthcare Center as part of my faculty position, I decided to go part-time with the university. And so I took a, a part-time position instead of my full-time position. And then I, started a new practice. And so I actually, um, just went, found a physician that was needing help with his diabetes population. I showed him, you know, how I could help him make money as well as, you know, treat his patients, um, well. And so, um, we, I started as, you know, an employee there part-time as well. So it allowed me to be a little bit more flexible with my time versus, you know, all the faculty requirements of publishing. And I mean, I still do some of those things, but it's things I like to do and not just like things I have to do. Um, so I've really appreciated the flexibility and thankfully my husband carries benefits and has a super flexible job that he works from home. So that's been allowing me to do pieces of this and pieces of that and pieces of this that can sort of, you know, just use my, um, you know, passions in, in the different areas, um, you know, versus having to stay within one box. Yeah, sounds great. So what drew you to pharmacy in the first place? And what drew you to that first, um, you know, clinical pharmacy residency program, and then eventually practicing? Um, So my mom's a nurse, I've always been, you know, sort of surrounded by healthcare. She did some floor nursing, like med search floor stuff, and also um, a lot of home health. And so I think the home health piece was one of the things like, I, oh my goodness, home health nurses are like angels. Like they are, the stuff that they see, the things that they do when they go into those homes, oh my goodness, I could never do that. But I highly respect them. And I just, you know, I heard a lot of her stories and things that the patients went home and what they were dealing with. And I did have the opportunity to go out with some nurses when I was at the VA um, into their homes. And it's just like a totally different world. Like when you go in, you know, go in and see what's actually going on beyond the scenes. But I think the biggest part of that, that, um, that I really liked about the medicine aspect of that was the relational piece. Like she became, like my mom became close to those patients and she became, um, you know, a really trusted person in their lives and was able to have influence over, over them. And so I think, you know, the whole point of life to me, like, you know, besides proclaiming Jesus is to have relationships with other people so that we can, you know, spur one another, spur one another on. And so I think, ambulatory care pharmacy, that clinical pharmacy where I was having patient interaction, like on a a daily basis, um, you know, and relational building relationships, um, with those patients is been really important to me. And it, it happens at the community pharmacy level, of course. And I think it probably depends on, you know, this, 
type of community pharmacy, the location, the volume that they do, and like how much interaction the pharmacist actually gets to have. It also depends on the pharmacist's personality and do they walk over and, you know, <laughs> stop what they're doing and go counsel a patient or do they just, you know, keep over here and have the technicians just ask if the person has questions, you know, there's different personalities. But um, so I did community for a while in residence as weekend job and trying to pay off student, you know, debt and those kinds of things. And I definitely enjoyed that. I just enjoy the clinical aspect and being the, dis I'm, I like to be the decision maker if you haven't noticed with my journey. So um, now I get to be the decision maker. I have a consult agreement with my physicians and I, I just decide what the patient therapy needs. I make my recommendations, you know, we work, obviously the patient is the ultimate decision maker in their care, but um, you know, it's, it's me and the patient making a decision. I don't have to phone the doctor because they've already given me permission to do those things. So that's really like ultimately why I love, you know, ambulatory care and, and being able to, you know, influence patients and build those relationships. Yeah. So I know the state laws are a bit different and mm -hmm. you're definitely on the behind front for okay. my status. So yeah. what you're able to do as a clinical pharmacist and especially having a collaborative therapy agreement with the physician. Yeah, so ours is pretty open. Um, so this was not the case always. So when I was in that federally qualified healthcare center, we were a little bit more limited and it made collaborative practice agreements in the outpatient setting a little bit more challenging. So the inpatient setting had different roles. The outpatient used to be just, you know, you had to have one drug on the agreement, one disease state, one patient, the pharmacist signed, the physician signed. Well, if you think about the application of that, the only thing that that's really helpful for is like Coumadin. Otherwise, you're going to have like a stack of, you know, for diabetes, there's going to be like 10 potential, you know, documents that need signed because there's so much drug, you know, so many drugs involved, especially in people and if people aren't making those lifestyle modifications. And so um, it was probably around the time that I transitioned practice in 2016, where that was expanded. So about four years out from from when Ohio expanded the law, but our lobbying group here with our um, state association has been phenomenal um, in, you know, just moving the profession forward in Ohio. So shout out to the Ohio Pharmacists Association for all their great work. Um, but they got those um, legislative changes. It was obviously like lots of pharmacists. We had lots of letter writing campaigns to legislators. We had, um, you know, writing letters with physicians in our practices and having them, you know, um, testify and got to testify in the state house. So it took a lot of work, but, um, but basically now we're allowed to, you know, enter an agreement with a group of physicians, not just one. Um, and we're also able to make that sort of a protocol for the, for the practice. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be under the same roof because the pharmacist could technically be at a different site, but I think it's relationships are really important in collaborative practice agreements and helping them understand what you can do. Um, and so when you're working alongside them, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier for them to allow you to do more than what they might if you were just this person on the outside asking to adjust medications, you know? And so um, we're, I'm liable for my changes. They're liable for their changes. I'm not liable what they do. They're not liable what I do. Um, and so that, you know, helps things a little bit as well. So basically my agreement, I can prescribe anything for diabetes, hypertension, asthma, COPD, um, IBS. So I do a lot of IBS with the functional component, but sometimes we do use, um, prescription therapies if we, if we need to, um, not always, but so lots of openness to that. I can, add, I can add labs, I can add all my functional testing within my practice site. And so, um, yeah, so it's really, I really function like a mid-level practitioner in that practice because of those collaborative agreements. Right now we can only do that with physicians, um, in, we're working on maybe expanding that to nurse practitioners, um, and we'll see what happens. We actually got emergency approval for um, working with nurse practitioners during this pandemic um, time related to chronic disease state management. So that's exciting. And I hope that um, we can establish that there's value to that and continue that beyond, beyond this time. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So uh, right now you're practicing at the physician's site or are you doing your separate office? Yeah, yeah. So I my two and a half or almost three day a week job is at Western Medicine Family Physicians. Um, and so we have a nurse practitioner as well that is going through IFM, the Institute of Functional Medicines. Um, programming is almost finished with that. So she and I work together on a lot of our um, sort of collaboratively back and forth with a lot of our um, functional medicine patients, but we're also a full-fledged primary care office. We have specialists that come in and do office hours um, in our office rent space. Um, we have a dietitian that comes once a week. We're working on incorporating behavioral health and um, having psychology and counseling there. So 
So it's definitely um, a happen in place, although lately we're a little um, low on our numbers. Um, we're doing a lot of telehealth out of the practice right now because of the expansion and being able to bill for that for most of the insurance, all the insurance companies. Um, so that's been exciting, but I am also working on um, launching a platform for pharmacists to be actually used for functional medicine, pharmacists, other clinicians, nutritionists, health coaches, um, that I am going to be launching in the next several weeks. So I'm really excited about that. And so um, I may do a few consults um, via that platform in the evenings or weekends. Um, but my intent is really to be sort of the coach behind the scenes and helping the pharmacists to um, grow in that that are that are joining the team. So so yes, I'm excited about that. And there's going to be opportunities for patients to um, log in and find a pharmacist in their state and, and be able to work with a functional medicine practitioner on that platform. Because um, I really do, I know there's a lot of people sort of crossing state lines and consulting and there's a lot of grayness to that um, from a pharmacist perspective because we don't have quite the same conversations about telehealth in our legislation as physicians do. It's pretty clear in the physician um, um, rules. So I really felt most comfortable with encouraging pharmacists to just serve the patients in their state and really just bringing together this group of pharmacists on the platform so that if, you know, this patient in Tennessee or yeah, Tennessee has this condition that my pharmacist in Ohio is really good at, we can sort of collaborate together, but the Tennessee person can be the one sort of relaying information and, and actually having that relationship with the patient. So I'm excited. Um, about that and hopefully, you know, we get the opportunity to, you know, go to employers and, and really um, help, you know, people be well and, and not just, you know, I know the functional medicine, one of the sort of core pieces is that we want to have people thrive and not just that health is not just the absence of disease, that it's, you know, really this like thriving, um, you know, and, and doing well and feeling well. So um, so yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. I have the blog farm to table, um, which is, um, dot life L I F E because com was like $5,000 and, <laughs> and, uh, I don't remember what the other options were. There's some, when you Google farm to table, you get a, an Oregon medical marijuana dispensary before you get my page. So I'll have to work on the analytic thing there. Um, but if you scroll down, you'll find, you'll find the farm table, but I really have just used it as a, a site to, um, start, you know, when I started it in 2017, shortly after my, um, second child was born, I really just a lot, got a lot of questions from people and I was just using it as a format to like put the research up there, answer the questions. So I have articles on, you know, infants and probiotics and aller allergies and probiotics and, um, heartburn alternatives to PPIs and CoQ10 and vitamin D, you know, K2, turmeric, you know, articles. So we're continuing to just go ahead and, you know, put out information about some of the supplements that people might be interested in about whole 30. I've done some series on that. So, um, just lots of things that would be, and I think really think it, I try to make it to where it's readable for patients, educated patients, but also for pharmacists and other healthcare practitioners, we reference, you know, all the articles and, and draw it back to the evidence. So, um, I hope that's helpful for other people to, you know, continue to learn as well. So. Yeah, that's awesome. For my own son, I also use probiotics. Mm -hmm. I use the lactobacillus reuteri for the mm -hmm. reflux, baby reflux. Yeah, and yeah. And it was really effective, you know, and I yeah, didn't yeah. do anything else. That's great. That's great. I know those first like six weeks are always just like a terror. I feel like with like that, because they're just not used to laying down and they're not, it's not formed well enough to okay. like a food intolerance thing. And you know, they get our, their flora from us and my flora, especially with my daughter was not very good. And so we had a little rough start to, to some of that. So a lot of what I write about and what I teach is things that I've learned, you know, and researching it, you know, on my own. So I've done some training, you know, conferences here and there in functional medicine, but a lot of it is, you know, self-taught listening to, you know, thought leaders and, and, you know, other teachers and sort of different formats. So when did you start kind of bridging the gap between clinical pharmacy knowledge and more of a functional medicine approach? Was that like throughout pharmacy school or was that because? Oh, of no. <laughs> yeah. So I would say it was, well, it was after my daughter um, was born. So my daughter is now six. She just turned six. So six years ago. 
And I, um, I had sort of a traumatic, I feel like, you know, there's people talk about the functional medicine timeline and like a lot of practitioners, you know, ask you questions about, you know, when you're born, if you were breastfed, if you were, you know, had a lot of antibiotics, if you, how your diet was in your kid, what kind of stress you went under. And so a lot of my, you know, trigger things, um, show up on that timeline, you know, not breastfed for very long, you know, C-section baby, pretty good amount of antibiotics as a child. Um, you know, so some stress type things. And so I think my experience with my daughter was sort of like that nail that hit on the head. Like a lot of people just have this like event that just sort of sends them, um, into the symptomatic phase. Your body's been really trying to like fight it. And then you get this one point and it's just over. Um, so that is a whole long story, but I intended on having a natural birth and my doula was in jail the night, um, that I went to the hospital and, um, it was just crazy. Yeah. I mean, she was like my mom's age. She looked like a normal person. She came to my house. Like, I mean, I would, I still don't know how like that even happens, but it happened. So I didn't have birth support. The hospital I went to wasn't as, as friendly to some of the natural things. And so I think, um, so long story short, it was a long labor, um, resulted in, um, tearing and just, you know, not recovery wasn't easy. My daughter ended up being a little bit tongue tied. I mean, not to the point where the doctors at the hospital noticed, but enough that it affected our uh, nursing relationship and caused her to have a lot of gas because she was essentially getting a lot of air when she was eating. And so the colicky, you know, crying and just like recovery piece at the same time. Um, it took me a couple of weeks to figure out the tongue tie issue. You know, I, I don't know about you, but like when you're nursing and you're just like scrolling at the same time, like trying to discover what's wrong with your child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like every mother in this like time frame has done that. Um, we have one, one, day my, <laughs> yeah, one day my husband came in and he's like, Oh, you mean like this? And he like lifts up his tongue. I was like, Oh my goodness, you have it too. It's like genetic. And so then I started researching that more and I, um, found a dentist, like literally this dentist is like 10 minutes or less from my house that does the um, laser, you know, uh -huh. um, procedure. And so, but that was like booked out for like weeks. I mean, people fly to like Dayton, Ohio, to like see this guy. And I'm like, really? He's the 10 minutes from my house. Can't believe it. So, but then there was another guy across town. So it was like waiting list for both. So it was crazy stressful. Um, and then, so we finally got that under control a little bit better, but she had lots of food intolerances. I was taking all kinds of things out of my diet. We're going to the chiropractor with like our whole kitchen of groceries, like testing things. Um, and so finally I found like the six things that were really making her, you know, that worse and took them out of my diet and she was like a new baby. So I didn't have to use any, um, medications for her, but I had to have a pretty restricted diet. But then I just started having a lot of like bloating and gas and just like lots of GI, um, type symptoms. And I, you know, looking back on it, I probably had SIBO like at that moment, but I didn't discover really that I had it until like almost a year later after her birth. So probably when she was like 10, 10 or 11 months old is when I found an integrative practitioner. Mm, I, I don't know if I'd even call him that, but he was, he was more so integrative than any person I'd ever experienced at the time. And he did a GI effects. He did an uh, organic acids type test. Um, I was just a mess. Like, I mean, I'd go in there and be like bawling, you know, like, and so I think that there was like anxiety because it's like, anytime there's something wrong with their GI, you're like, oh my goodness, I have cancer. You know, like healthcare professionals go to like the, you know, yeah. end of the spectrum, like the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And you like, and I had this abdominal pain on my right side that just like never went away. Um, and I do think there was probably some element of ileocecal issue, um, with it as well. Um, some inflammation there that was causing maybe the cause of the SIBO. I don't even know, but ultimately I, I was able to learn over two year journey after that, like how to treat it. And, um, I think maybe the, the antimicrobial treatment actually sort of led to some yeast, you know, overgrowth type symptoms. And so it was sort of a longer journey, but fast forward to two years, um, after that or a year after that is when, um, let's see, my daughter would have been one then. So two years after that, um, we had our son, but you know, before that was sort of my, I, I ended up going to the Cleveland clinic as a patient. I was on their wait list. Um, even though, you know, we're about three hours from there, but I have some, my in-laws live not too far from there, about an hour. And so, 
I, um, you know, thought, well, okay. They called me and said, okay, we have an appointment. And I was like, well, at this point I'm feeling better, but I wasn't like a hundred percent, but I really thought that it would be a good learning experience. I mean, if I wasn't hundred percent, maybe there's something else that they could help me with. And so, um, that was really cool to go there and just be a patient in a functional medicine clinic, you know, um, and you know, seeing what their process looked like. And so I learned a lot more from them and I really got to the point where I felt like I was, I was, well enough to try to conceive again. And so, um, then we got pregnant with my son and then I haven't had the abdominal pain since wow. the pregnancy with him. So I think part of it was even hormone related and low hormones. And, um, when I had him and like my hormones just became better regulated even afterwards. Um, so it was crazy. There's way more to the story with the hormone issue and everything, which I know people don't want to listen to, to just, um, my end of one <laughs> patient story, but, but that journey is really why I'm here and why, you know, I'm talking about functional medicine because every other provider that I went to was, um, you know, I went to a GI, a traditional GI person thinking, well, maybe a colonoscopy, they could look there and see if there's you know, something going on. They're like, nope, you don't need that. Um, they did like one test and was like, okay. And I like had to fight for Zyfaxin even, um, at the time, you know, you know, I wasn't super into all the herbs and stuff that I could understand, but I knew that that was potentially a treatment that would help. And, you know, I had to write my own PA letter to try to get it covered on the insurance, you know, that they could submit. And so, so yeah, it was really, I just think about my, a lot of other patients that they wouldn't have the background that I had, like they would have just sort of gotten the door closed and said, you know, you're fine. But you know, I wasn't fine. I was, I was having abdominal pain every day and that, that wasn't normal. That wasn't what, you know, I had in the past, you know, so, so I really, um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times in functional medicine, we get patients that have done all of that. They've gone to this doctor and that doctor and this doctor, and no one has really looked at it from like that root cause aspect. And so I feel like my experience has helped me to be able to see, you know, how they're feeling and, um, how we can sort of, you know, come in and, and help them. And, and I think looking back on it, you know, I know I wanted it to be over like right then I just wanted, okay, someone has to have the magic trick to fixing this. And, you know, there wasn't like a magic, you know, answer to fixing that. I, it took, you know, thir or 28 years to get me to the point where I was feeling like that. It wasn't going to reverse overnight. And so, um, it took me a while to like be at peace with, with that and that it was like a journey um, cause I think the first doctor I saw, he was, he was much more like knowing that, that it was a journey and I was frustrated with those, his like just sort of slowness in doing things. And so, um, so it's interesting. Like the people I, I went to him, I went to, a, um, a doctor that specializes in allergy, um, treatments that are like acupuncture related, um, acupressure related. Um, and I really think, you know, there was just a piece of the puzzle that was like fixed in each each scenario. Um, so I, I really appreciate like having a team of integrative practitioners like as well. And I sort of had to go all over the state to, to find that, but it was, it was a good experience for me. Yeah. I could totally relate to your story. I had so many digestive issues since <laughs> I was a child. Yeah. My experience was like going to the allopathic medicine route. I felt mm -hmm. like I was always over treated and over medicalized and yeah. you know, put on all these meds and like I had endoscopies and all these procedures done to me yeah. to try to figure out like a very minute thing that I was experiencing mm -hmm. that yeah. was there some but you know it, I felt like it didn't warrant the harsh aggressive treatment that I got right. mm -hmm. and not knowing any better at the time you know um you know with my parents also being there and trying trying to help me right but in the end I just felt like it was more harmful and it was yeah. aggressive yeah um and then also, uh, before I was pregnant for a few years, maybe like two or three years, I was experiencing adult onset acne and I never had that mm -hmm. as a teenager. So yeah. clearly like something with stress and like probably mm -hmm. one related. And the only thing that, you know, allopathic medicine again was able to offer is just birth control. Right. So uh, I, I was like trying to do the herbal route also at the time and I was learning about herbs. So I was putting myself on an herbal protocol yeah. and to be starting to work, but then I got pregnant. So I stopped. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And then as I, you know, the pregnancy continued and now two years afterwards, my face like completely cleared up. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the body just can reset. It's crazy. I mean, the effects of stress on the body are like so real and it, how it manifests, like some people it manifests like that and with cortisol and hormone changes and sometimes it's cardiac or even, you know, GI. I mean, there's some people I know about who had like severe, like IBSD to the point where like they could hardly function at work and the stressor was removed from their life and they were completely fine. Yeah. IBS not any are like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hands. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 70% of our nervous system is embedded into our gut. So yeah. that's why it makes sense. You know, the diarrhea constipation cycles is directly related to the stress, you know, and even yeah. if you don't realize that it's connected, mm-hmm. our body is connecting it. Right. So, um, so yeah, I definitely find that connection and I see that in patients and in people, mm-hmm. um, but you know, what can you do? We live in a stressful life. Right. Right. You have to find ways to, to, um, help your body respond to be more resilient to it. Yeah. And then there's the low level inflammation that can mm-hmm. lead to everything from, you know, digestive woes to cancer. So everything is related to inflammation and or stress and some mm-hmm. level. Right. Right. Yes. So, um, I know you have that functional medicine CE platform. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into that and start organizing that? And how does that all work? Yeah. Yeah. So I have functionalmedicinece.com, um, which is just sort of an extension of pharma table, but more geared towards providers. So, um, well, I've always been an educator. So, I mean, I went to pharmacy school, but a part of my heart was the somewhere the teacher piece is in me, like the third grader that wanted to be a teacher, like still was, um, you know, a piece of me. And so after residency, during residency, I did do a teaching certificate program and then started teaching, um, at a school that we were building a pharmacy school. So we were sort of starting, I mean, we were starting from the ground up. I came when we had like our second group of pre-pharmacy students. Um, and so, you know, working alongside the team there to help develop a pharmacy school, you know, so I learned a lot about teaching. I learned a lot about designing curriculum. Um, and then part of my, I started teaching diabetes content to the students, but also to providers and, um, consulting for, um, you know, some pharmaceutical companies and teaching other, you know, doctors and nurses and, and pharmacists how to use. So I began to um, to do some speaking and started speaking at some national organizations and developing CE, you know, for ASHP mid-year meetings and things like that. So I knew that I could develop CE. And then I also got the question on a daily basis from, maybe not a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis from pharmacists, like, hey, I'm looking for functional medicine education. Where can I find that? Um, or where can I get CE for functional medicine education? And so my answer was always, well, there's a lot of great um, education out there, but unfortunately there's not a lot that counts towards your continuing education requirements. And so I kept having to say that over and over. And I was like, well, this is silly. Like I can develop CE. I can work to help organize the speakers too. I'm not always going to be the best person to speak about it, but um, I can, you know, help coordinate that effort. And then my husband develops web, well, he used to develop websites and now he actually works for WordPress, um, which is the parent or the automatic, which is the parent company of WordPress. So he is my web developer. So I didn't have, you know, to go out and, and pitch this and have someone else develop, develop that. So we sort of were talking about it and, and there's a lot of travel restrictions. A lot of women I talk to, not all women, there's great, you know, there's men that have this issue too, but just like getting away from home to do some of these long functional medicine programs was just challenging. It's not that they're not valuable. It's not that they shouldn't be done eventually. Like myself, like I have a six-year-old and a, and a three-year-old. And for me to go away to multiple week long or, you know, four or five day conferences during the year, isn't very realistic. Um, it's becoming a little bit more realistic as they get a little bit older, but you know, in the last few years, it really just wasn't. And so so there was a lot of people that were like me that were like, you know, I really want to, to learn this and want to engage with people that are doing this, but I just, I can't put in the travel time. Um, and, you know, sometimes financially the cost of going to those meetings besides just the registration fee and the hotel and the, you know, all this. 
So I was like doing the cool virtual conference thing before it was really like <laughs> everyone's doing it now. Um, so we really launched in, in November and we, you know, had our first conference. We had about 60 some pharmacists um, that had registered. And so that was really good. We had a first day um, that was really intro to functional medicine. I did some GI talk. We did... Um, Lara um, Zacharia had a talk about autoimmune in relationship to the gut. Um, and then we had some other pharmacists talking about hormone um, in the afternoon. If anyone's interested in a preview of that, you can go over to the website. And if you put in your email address um, for our contact form, you'll get a download for um, Lauren Castle's um, first hour on the intro to functional medicine. Um, and then if you're interested, you can purchase and, and get CE for that. Um, so yeah, so it was just really, I worked with CEI in, or CE Impact is, is how they um, refer to themselves now um, as a faculty member um, for developing things for Cedarville, for also for um, some of their programming in the past. So it's been really easy to work with them to, to credit this CE as well. So, so yeah, so we're really just trying to connect, educate the community, provide opportunities for, you know, learning opportunities that do count for that CE credit that pharmacists need to maintain their licensure and, um, and really develop, you know, continue to expand the network of pharmacists that are interested in functional medicine. Because really now my goal is to reach out to those pharmacists and say, hey, we've got this platform where you can engage your patients and use, um, you know, for telehealth and also in practice um, for you. So, so yeah, so there's... Um, that and then our conference in February was based on pain and inflammation. So we had some great speakers um, there and um, Tom Gullens was, um, who's a PhD, that is the um, guy who writes the Point Institute um, white papers and everything like that. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they have some awesome resources. Um, and he really compiles like a ton of evidence into like short um, things. He also writes all these, um, the roadmap series, so they're up there at the top, <laughs> the roadmap series from um, the orthomolecular or the lifestyle matrix um, group um, works with. And so those are really helpful walking you through pathophysiology. So he's just a genius. And um, he got to, he kicked it off for us with talking about just the mechanisms for pain. And like you said, the pain and inflammation mechanisms are really the driver for a lot of what we're doing in chronic disease. So so yeah, so I'm not sure exactly what's next. I'm tossing it between um, more conversations or more of like a metabolic um, conversation as far as like, you know, cardiometabolic things or do we do just immune system um, and focus on like autoimmune plus immune stuff um, in the fall again in November. But in July, we are going to um, be doing, uh, Lara and I are going to do a short mini conference for like three hours of CE um, where we focus on medication therapy management. And we're going to sort of take some, walk you through some cases where this is sort of the traditional way that we pharmacists would be taught to address um, the patient's MTM session. And then here's how we apply it with like a functional lens. So, so yeah, so that's, um, Sort of what's on the, and we're hoping to do that in July 11th, but it'll be recorded as well if people can join that day. Very nice. I think immunity is definitely such a hot topic these days. Autoimmunity has been already on the radar for the last probably decade or so. And, you know, right now. Yeah, it was like frozen for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was saying that immunity is now such a hot topic, not only because autoimmunity has been on the spectrum for about right. a decade or so, or more even, mm -hmm. um, but now with this infectious disease pandemic, right. you know, right. two sides of this immunity piece. Right. So I mm -hmm. think that would be a really good topic. To yeah, do. yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I'm sure we're still going to be learning, you know, so much between now and November um, about that. Um, yeah, and, and it goes hand in hand with the cardiometabolic thing because we see the people with <laughs> cardiometabolic risk factors like diabetes and hypertension having having right. that elevated risk, and we're not completely sure why, other than that inflammation piece. Um, um, but then also this conversation about oxygen and hemoglobin and and all of of that is super interesting. But yeah, so the COVID thing, we're actually doing a. Um, uh, conversation with pharmacists, uh, functional medicine pharmacists tomorrow um, as a webinar, just which is the 15th. So I realize this will be published after that, but I think recordings will be available um, on that. But yeah, just trying to keep the conversation going and talking amongst the group of pharmacists um, to see, you know, what 
really is, you know, sort of the, we learn new things every, you know, every day. And so I think that conversation, we still just need to be keeping up with the literature and, and what's going on, but it's hard right now because I mean, people on the front lines don't have time to write a paper for the New England Journal of Medicine. So, right. <laughs> so you know, and, and to do with, you know, they're just trying to keep people alive. And so that's um, a challenging piece to all this because it's hard to do evidence-based medicine when it's coming like a freight train, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I'll have all those links in the show notes for, yeah, yeah. for the listeners to, to check into. Um, so right now, is the CE platform mainly geared for pharmacists or can other functional medicine practitioners take them? Yeah, so anyone can take it. We had this past time, we had CE credits for pharmacists and we had, um, but it definitely would have been applicable to any type of clinician. Um, we had a physician, I think, join this last one as well as um, some mid-level practitioners. Um, we also had CE available for nutritionists, for those that are certified nutrition specialists, CNS. Um, so we're hopeful that maybe we'll be able to add on nursing CE or other types of CE in the future. Um, we're just sort of figuring out, you know, the goals and, you know, trying to really get this for the pharmacy community um, solid before we expand too much. Very nice. So the second platform you mentioned with the telehealth and connecting pharmacists mm -hmm. to other practitioners and patients, yeah. what is that called? Um, it's actually a collaboration um, with my with my company and um, a company called Azova Health. And so I invested into developing a, um, a, a site there that we're, you know, I mean, this is the first time I think they've actually um, worked with like a functional medicine group to do this. And so um, the links and everything to sign up will be on farmtotable.life um, by this weekend. And so people can check that out. Um, and I'll probably post um, information. I'll be sharing information on my social media feeds about like the webinar and things like that to learn about it. We'll probably do another one in the next month or so um, for pharmacists and pharmacists, PAs, you know, nurse practitioners, physicians can all um, utilize a platform. And, and one of the key pieces to what I'm trying to do is create this collaborative team, um, which also includes physicians and other practitioners, so that we can be like referring, you know, when pharmacists, the, the challenge with pharmacists doing um, full out functional medicine care is we are, we're, we're not like licensed to do that, right? We're not licensed to diagnose, we're not licensed to, um, you know, prescribe in many instances on our own. It's through those collaborative practice relationships. So I really wanted to develop something with them that made sense where pharmacists can like help get the labs um, going under control, you know, ordered and things like that. But really like the physician behind the scenes is the one actually making the lab order so that then the patient can use their insurance and, and things like that. Because when we're doing it on our own, a lot of times it's cash-based labs for the patient. And and while, you know, sometimes that, that works, um, I like also the fact that the physician is the one actually placing the order so that the, the labs come back to the physician um, and that they have an eye on them as well as part of that, you know, collaborative team. Um, and then, you know, they'll forward them to the pharmacist. Um, so I feel like the labs piece is one that pharmacists often struggle with. And I wanted to create a, a way that we would be able to fix that problem. Um, and then also being able to like just, communicate, refer within the network um, as well, I think is, you know, another big piece. But I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, what's my, what does my state say I can do and how can I order these labs? And so I want to make a platform that's just sort of like turnkey, like you sign up and you, you know, can work with your patients and you can reach out to these other members of the team. Um, if your, if your patient or your state says you can't talk in depth about nutrition. Well, we've got nutritionists and health coaches on the team here that you can refer to. And so, um, or they can, you know, work, we can work collaboratively with, with them, with the patient. So, so yeah, really just trying, I mean, my practice that I'm in right now physically, like is just such a team of people that are really supporting the patient. I just, my, watching my husband work in a completely distributed company, um, that's all employees are at home all over the world working, um, and they have been before all of this um, thing. They even sold their, they stopped running their space in San Francisco because no one was going. Um, but watching like how they still have awesome relationships and team, um, 
you know, they, they go do some, you know, trips and different things for meetings. Um, but a lot of what they do is just like this and actually probably less like this. They're normally doing like text asynchronous like type, um, or messaging type things to each other throughout the day. And so, but he talks to way more people than I talk to in a day and he's sitting in his, you know, office here in our house. So I saw that model and those team models. And I just really want to sort of bring that tech idea thing to like pharmacy and how can we like, like be collaborative and support, you know, supporting patients, you know, sort of across the spectrum of, you know, different functional medicine. We all have different things that we're um, really good at. So I really want it to be where, you know, if a pharmacist in a certain area is really good at something that they can really help teach the other pharmacist and also, um, you know, eventually maybe they get paid to support the team by doing teach-ins and, and webinars and things like that. And so, yeah, so the sky is the limit, I guess, but I'm, I'm starting with, you know, a core team of people. Um, and then also people can just use the platform in their own practice. If they already have an established practice, they can sign up and start doing um, their, and the nice thing is there's no monthly fee. So that's another barrier for pharmacists and clinicians is, you know, if they're going to get started and they're trying to do this part-time and not, you know, invest a lot of money into it, they might not want to pay for HIPAA compliant Zoom that's, you know, 200 and some dollars a month, or they might not want to pay for, um, you know, another platform that they store their patient data in, you know, so the, co the monthly costs can get up there. And if you're only trying to do, you know, one or two visits a week to sort of, you know, work on this as a side thing, um, it makes more sense to do it on a platform where you pay as you go. So in our, in our model, there's a fee that gets taken out from a um, administrative technology fee um, off the top, and then you get the, you know, the rest of the pharmacist, but then you're sort of paying as you grow your business instead of having to develop, you know, all of that up front. Yeah, I love that. So essentially, you took something that works well, you know, <laughs> in your personal world as part of the yeah. of practice, and you're expanding it on a, you know, multi-state level and yeah, yeah. a remote perspective. So it's, it's yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, and I want I wanted it to be able to grow, um, and that's why I invested with uh, with Azova because I wanted it to be able to grow quicker than what I could do by sort of piecing together some of these other platforms that didn't have that network or marketplace of of providers. Yeah, I also love that you circled back to payment, and I remember you said in the beginning that you were able to provide value to the office by offering the functional medicine perspective. Mm -hmm. So are you finding that third party payers are paying for this? And is that going to be part of the payment plan for the new platform? Or is it mostly going to be still cash based? So in the office, um, because I am an extension of the physician, I can bill incident to the physician. Um, so in that practice, I am able to, um, we're able to be reimbursed as a practice. It's not my MPI number being reimbursed. It's the physician's MPI number being reimbursed. Um, and so that we are, our nurse practitioner also sees patients for functional medicine. She is currently taking insurance. It's hard in the insurance model to really do functional medicine well, because we, I mean, I was listening to a podcast today um, with Kara Fitzgerald and talking to another business person that is a physician in Indiana that went to an all cash model. Um, and they're spending an hour, two hours sometimes with their, um, initial appointments. Um, I think Kara's, um, it's two hours, Dr. Fitzgerald's is like two hours, first appointment, two hours, second appointment, two hours with the, um, nutrition team. And so, um, that's a lot of time. And in the insurance model, that doesn't work because you don't get reimbursed enough for that time. Um, I do spend 45 minutes with most of my patients follow up for like chronic disease stuff. that's not functional medicine, sometimes a little less, but so we are able to cover enough, um, you know, of our costs there to allow me to, to do those, to do those visits from the pharma table platform, um, standpoint, we will be doing cash, although the platform does allow for an insurance option. So if a physician or nurse practitioner or PA that can bill insurance or even a diet registered dietitian that, that is able to submit and be a provider credentialed with insurance companies, um, they could accept a patient's insurance on that platform. The platform itself doesn't do the billing, um, but you can collect the insurance information and, and do that billing um, if that's something that the practice is interested in. But for right now, pharmacists would be a cash-based um, option 
if a pharmacist was working with a collaborative in a collaborative practice like the one I'm in and using this as their EHR um, documentation telehealth system, that might be different because they might be able to um, do more of an incident too um, as well. But there's just, there's, that's probably a whole other podcast is going into all the requirements for incident two and, and billing. And um, right now it's a little bit different because everyone's still doing um, the web-based thing, but I still need my supervising physician on site um, to be able to um, do that. And so I can't do that from, you know, this seat. I have to be at my office. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, you know, it sounds super exciting and I can't hear more about it. Super interesting. Um, so we're almost at the end of the interview now. Do you have just a couple more minutes for some rapid fire questions? Sure. Sure. (laughs) All right. So, um, what's your advice for pharmacists or pharmacy students that might be interested in like a more integrative and functional medicine approach? Yeah. So I think, um, the first thing that I think most pharmacists can incorporate is listening to podcasts because like you're, they're probably listening here if they're listening to this, but, um, there's some great podcasts out there. Um, I started listening to podcasts, I think more in the paleo, um, blogger lifestyle, um, cook type podcast. Um, but then, you know, moved into when I became familiar with what functional medicine is, you know, listening to Chris Gresser and, um, listening to, uh, Care Fitzgerald's podcast and, you know, Mark Hyman and people like that, that really are, um, you know, promoting, um, you know, the, the integrative health mindset. And so I think I, I mean, Care Fitzgerald, I mean, I absolutely love that. That's my number one podcast, but she interviews some of the, I mean, that's her whole, like when she starts all the podcasts, it's we're interviewing the bright minds and functional medicine. And literally like, that's what she is doing because I mean, these are researchers, clinicians, like, just on like sort of the cutting edge of, and I love that. So I love learning from that on my way to work, um, you know, and on, you know, on the way home, I may able to listen to that. So I definitely encourage that. Um, cause I think, you know, you can listen while you're working out, you can listen while you're driving, you know, it's a lot of times people send me these like videos to watch. I'm like, okay, I do not have time to watch videos. <laughs> I am, if I am sitting down, um, at my computer, like I need to be doing work. <laughs> like I can't, I can't watch a webinar. I can listen to a webinar, um, in, in some of those other, you know, concepts, but with kids and managing a business and working and teaching, like sitting down to watch a webinar is not normally going to happen. Um, unless it's over my lunch break or something. But so I think those are really helpful, but I think networking is one of the biggest areas and that's like, we learn from each other, like a lot of what I've been taught and what I do, like I've learned from the other clinicians that I've networked with, um, you know, pharmacists, physicians, <clears throat> you know, and, um, you know, my nurse practitioner and all of those people have, have sort of molded, you know, sort of my practice. So I think that's really important. And so finding, you know, there's a functional medicine group on Facebook, the Functional Medicine Pharmacists Alliance, um, and just Functional Medicine Pharmacists is the group. So, um, that's, and you talked to Lauren, I think a, a little while back, but, um, they're, ter- we're turning, she's turning that into, um, a full organization, but the Facebook group is still free. So students can, um, join the Facebook group and just be a part of that community and just learn, you know, see what questions people are asking, what people's responses are. I think, um, that's an awesome opportunity. Um, if you're going to be on Facebook anyways, you might as well <laughs> be learning something while you're doing it. And then, um, I mean, I think conferences are important, you know, whether that's virtual, if that makes more sense, we do have student non-pharmacist pricing. Um, if, you know, in-person often, you know, we do have some networking options with our conference, but the in-person um, conferences, there's a pharmacist conference that offers CE in the fall. Um, it is September, uh, pull it up here. I'll be speaking assuming we're having traveling conferences by September, (laughs) which I hope that we are. Um, But Saturday, September 19th um, is going to be in Indianapolis. Um, There's a conference that um, is put on by George Washington University, um, but they um, partner with um, orthomolecular products to make that happen. But there's the night before, there's normally a big gathering of pharmacists. and that are doing functional medicine. So that's a really awesome networking opportunity. And then the, the day of, of learning and, and, you know, learning new things. And um, I'm going to be talking about stress with a physician. Um, I haven't met him yet. So 
figure that out. But um, so I'm excited about that opportunity again. Uh, last year, I was launching the FX Med CE when I was there, so I was telling people all about all about that. So. So it's going to be an exciting weekend if you want to mark if people want to mark their calendars. Um, student, I think there's student rates as well that can probably be um, gotten at that point. So I took my resident and a couple um, friends with me, um, pharmacist friends with me last year, and it was a really good time. So I would encourage people to check that out. Um, definitely follow on social media, um, FXMedCE and PharmaTable.life, um, and I often share you know resources on there that are helpful for. Um, growth, but I think, you know, there's so much information out there. Um, yes, a lot of the, the formal training is expensive, but um, there's a lot that you can get by you know, free webinars with um, different, I mean, you have to take it for a grain of salt if it's produced by the um, supplement companies, but a lot of times they're bringing in like non-employee type people that are on the cutting edge front lines of, of developing, you know, functional medicine protocols. So I think there's a lot you can learn um, from those opportunities as well. I love everything that you said. You can pack your spacesuit just in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I also, yeah. I also yeah, love those hazmat. Maybe it will be available by then. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, one of my favorite uh, podcasts to listen to in the functional medicine world is also Andrea Nakayama's. The 30 oh, yes, yes. Because it's super short, you know, 15 to 30 minutes. And she also has like the top um, experts mm -hmm. uh, and answers like interesting topics and questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also have my own Facebook group called Holistic Pharmacists. So, okay. yeah, I welcome anybody else that's interested to join. Um, all right. So, next question What is the number one thing listeners can do right now to improve their quality of life? Improve their quality of life. Probably eat less sugar and actually move, <laughs> exercise. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's two, I guess, but sort of goes hand in hand. It's true. Yeah, both equally important. Um, or eat more vegetables, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top three it is. Um, what's a hobby or favorite pastime of yours? Ooh. Um, so I grew up doing a lot of music and singing and um, playing piano. Uh, I played flute and piccolo in high school. Um, so I unfortunately, like my biggest regret of college is not keeping up with the flute. Cause I mean, once you lose like the amateur thing, it's like over. I mean, I, I still can do the notes, but I would take a lot to bring back, um, bring back that. Not that it's impossible, but it's just one of those things like, where am I going to go play the flute? Like, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, the piano I do, I'm working on teaching my daughter, um, some basic things. Like I was the child that like wouldn't practice the piano, um, very often. And so I'm not super great, but I'm good enough to get through the kindergarten, um, level <laughs> books with her. So, so we're working on that. But besides that, I love, um, traveling and I've taken up, um, some, interest in photography. So, um, I think with a blog, like everybody is trying to be a photographer. I don't want to be a photographer, but I do <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. enjoy, um, taking pictures of my kids and hopefully they'll be more still soon so I can improve my <laughs> images. But like last night I bought some, uh, Lightroom presets and, uh, you know, I have a photography class that I haven't sat down and actually done. Cause again, I can't sit down and, and do webinars <laughs> very often, but, um, yeah, so I, I like that and I'm hopeful to get better at that, um, over the course of the years. I feel like every blogger has these like terrible pictures at the first part of their blog and then they like slowly <laughs> get better throughout the years. Obviously technology gets better with the yeah. cameras and, and all the cool things you can do. But I did upgrade my DSLR, um, more recently, I was like starting somewhere, but, um, in December and I was like shocked. I'm like, Oh my goodness, the pictures are so much better. Why didn't I do this before? <laughs> yeah. Even the iPhone quality is, you know, has improved so much that you can mm -hmm. get really well lit and professional. Yeah. yeah. But lighting is really everything. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's posting like these pictures or their senior pictures. And I'm like, uh, or, you know, asking for things in college and I'm like, I don't have any digital images of that. So I'm going to have yeah, to <laughs> I'll go to my yearbook and <laughs> yeah, take a snapshot of my yearbook. I could maybe look for that. I don't even know where those things are. We've moved recently. I think I knew where they were in my old house, but yeah, I think they're at my parents' house. So I'm not going <laughs> to come up anytime soon. <laughs> right. Right. We can't go see them. So we're <laughs> all right. Um, what's your favorite beverage to drink? 
Ooh. I mean, if I could say like absolute, well, I think smoothies would be like my healthy favorite beverage. Still probably a little too much carb load at once. Um, I can't do the Mark Hyman smoothie where you do like all the nuts and like greens and stuff. <laughs> like it needs to be, I mean, I do no sugar, but it's like fruit, you know, um, mixed with some avocado or some, um, coconut or coconut amino or not coconut amino's collagen peptides. My brain's not working. It's almost nine o'clock collagen peptides. I do not put coconut amino's in, in the, that would be gross. Um, so yeah, probably a smoothie, but I think if I was like my childhood self would tell you like a chocolate milkshake or something like that. Mm, <laughs> All right. Lastly, please tell the listeners how they can learn more about your work and get in touch with you. Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook at, at farm to table dot life. Um, actually it might be farm to table dash Melody Hartzler, but you'll find it by searching that. And then at farm to table dot life on Instagram and, um, the FX med CE is, is at FX med CE on both, um, Instagram and Facebook. So, um, you can find me on the website at farm table.life as well as the FX med CE.com. Okay. Awesome. Again, I'll have all those links in the show notes. So it's not yes. confusing. Yes. I know that that life throws people off, but I talk about my life a lot and my functional medicine journey is definitely how my, my life <laughs> caused it to get started. So you have to stand out, be different. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So thank you so much for your time, for sharing your journey with us. And I look forward to connecting and learning more about all your new wonderful platforms. <laughs> thank you. Have a great night. You too. As always, please send any questions, inquiries, requests to me. My email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website, rawfork.com. Leave me a note there. Thank you and have a great week ahead.